What's up? This is Makad Brooks. I'm playing James the Bridge Olsen. That's right. And you are listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio. Super, 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 Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the season four episode of Supergirl titled Man of Steel. And since we don't have any news this week, let's get right into that discussion. I just got the title. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's been a long week. You guys, it's been a long week. It's Tuesday, <laughs> but it's been a long week. You you didn't think it just was about Superman? Oh my gosh, what a good pun. <laughs> <laughs> Double meaning layers. I like it. It's actually a very fitting title to this episode because it was all about the Lockwood family steel stuff and then the fact that Agent Liberty War will actually been Lockwood finds the face the uh, steel face that he uses for his Agent Liberty look. Uh, I really actually liked that a lot. So uh, whoever came up with that title, well done. Uh, Played on the Superman uh, nickname, but also uh, wove it into the story in this episode. So one of the better episode titles of the show, I think. So uh, yeah, so I'm glad that you finally got there. You got there. You're with us. That's, that's great. Welcome. It took a minute, but here I am. <laughs> uh, well, here is the official description for Man of Steel. Quote, Ben Lockwood didn't always hate aliens. Through a series of incidents and input from his anti-alien father, guest star Xander Berkeley, Ben slowly transforms from a mild-mannered professor into the villainous Agent Liberty of today. Unquote. So, Morgan, uh, this Man of Steel episode uh, was basically very largely uh, Ben Lockwood flashbacks. Yeah, just like a whole episode of Sam Witwer. (laughs) So, so terrible. I suffered so greatly (laughs) from having to look at his face for so long. It was was tough. It was a tough watch. It was tough, but somehow, I mean, I do it for the podcast. (laughs) You've got to just pull through. Uh, So what did you think about all of the flashbacks telling Ben Lockwood's story? I thought this was an interesting one. I think that if you're going to have a villain, you got to give them a good villain backstory. You got to backstory it up for them so you understand, like, where they're coming from. I thought, in my mind, he went from normal person to crazy guy ranting with a pamphlet pretty fast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I think that some some of the leaps... Like, you could understand 
how he would be upset about things, but some of the leaps seemed extreme. Like at the end where he's just straight up murdering people and you're like, I mean, it's only been like a year and a half. (laughs) I mean, you, you went from like, Hey, that's not cool to say about aliens to just like burning down (laughs) a building so fast it makes me wonder about your makes me feel like your character was never great to begin with (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are better ways to handle some of these situations uh but i do think that the show did a decent enough job uh if from from my perspective because it was over kind of a, a year and a half to two years it sort of starts with the the hope speech at the end of season one and i will say it was really fun to go back to like things that were happening in the supergirl universe i think we talk about this all the time like i would love to see what's just going on for like the person on the ground like while all this crazy stuff is happening and it was kind of this was kind of that episode where we saw that like what is what is it like to live in national city and the answer is as terrible as you think (laughs) you're like you're looking at the calendar you're like oh god it's may yeah. <laughs> uh, like they they I, I think uh Ben uh, at one point I think right when uh the the rain stuff part of the F episode was was going on he was like oh no not again so yeah. <laughs> that that's that's what they must feel like all the time I think we should just dive into it the national city real estate <laughs> <laughs> yes let's talk about it so obviously that was my m- most exciting part of the episode I was I was like yes let's do this let's get into the fact that alien attacks are not covered on their insurance which you think <laughs> it would be you would definitely want to try to get that in but you know those insurance companies they're like no alien attacks here so like how do you get any of your possessions back like no wonder everybody in national city is so stressed out all the time (laughs) yeah uh yeah ben says that uh homeowners insurance doesn't cover alien invasions which you would think that by by the rain incident by the terraforming they should add that in there and you would think like wouldn't that like fall under some kind of like acts of god's sort of situation <laughs> like you know like a, a hurricane or like you know raya deciding to terraform your planet or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah you would think that by then Potato they would guitar, right <laughs> they would add that in there and i thought um it was it it annoys me with James uh, when Ben goes to talk to him about the home insurance uh, situation at CatCo. James didn't seem to really be into exploring that stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, we mentioned in the biz- business section. That's that's all there is to it. And I was like, I was kind of with Ben Lockwood on this. Like, why aren't you telling these stories? Why aren't you exploring this? This is kind of a big deal that affects all of us. Why isn't there an expose about the insurance companies? Like, I want to know, again, once again, I want to know more about the real estate market. I want to (laughs) understand, like, I I guess what I don't understand at the core of it is why anyone lives in National City. (laughs) Like, I just don't, like, you're walking down the street and you're like, 
uh-oh, you hear a rumble and you know <laughs> something's going on. And then a building just falls right next to you. Maybe restaurants are really great there. They must have a great food scene. <laughs> they they have apparently a great fashion district now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They probably, probably like a, some fight with an alien like wiped out a section of the city <laughs> and they were like, what if we just put an atelier here? <laughs> yeah, things are happening in National City. Move it and shake it. <laughs> <laughs> so you can you can put up with the occasional alien invasion. There's there's all sorts of other things uh, going on. I I agree though. I feel like either we we should have seen some evidence of what James was saying. Like we covered these issues and we covered them substantially. You know, I don't know. Like maybe when Cara uh, remembered to be a reporter, <laughs> <laughs> or he should have listened to like what like he. He allowed this meeting to happen with this random, like, really angry professor for some reason. You would think that you would at least hear him out and see about, like, what's going on with the little people. Yeah, my frustration with James was that he seemed, you know, really high on his horse. He was like, oh, Catco, we we just want a Pulitzer for our great coverage of the Daxamite invasion. But, you know, I, I'm sure that that was, I don't know, I kind of came away from this episode thinking, the heroes of National City, sometimes they aren't so great in how they deal with some of these things. Because I, I kind of feel like Catco probably wrote the, the Daxamite invasion story of like, oh, you know, Supergirl and her friends save the day, but they don't cover like the ramifications and the consequences of what happened after they saved the day. And what I thought was really great about this episode, the scene that stuck with me the most was the scene where uh, Martian Manhunter and the Daxamite are fighting outside of the Lockwood family house, the Lockwood family home. Yeah. And they completely, and we can work this into the National City real estate dis <laughs> discussion because this is where the home insurance comes in, is that they their fight destroys their home. They break glass. They uh, destroy the bicycle. The house ends up on fire. I mean, it's just completely destroyed. These these people, their home is just they're they're gonna have problems. And uh, Martian Manhunter, after he beat you know fights the the Daxmite and seemingly wins, and they fly away. He's like, "You're safe now." And I yeah. just <laughs> I just thought the irony of that that poor family getting told, "Oh, you're safe now." while looking at their completely <laughs> destroyed home. Enjoy the burned out husk of your former <laughs> home. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. That 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 one actually, like, I, I did kind of laugh a little bit at that because I was like, oh, man, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Martian Manhunter probably thought, I have done this heroic act. I have saved these people from this Daxamite, this, this person who has come to... Uh, take over the earth. I'm such a great hero. And he leaves and these people are just devastated. I like to imagine him leaving like his insurance information like <laughs> on the, the burning house. Like, uh, just call me later. Like like in like a traffic accident <laughs> when you can't find the, the other person in the car and you just kind of like put it on their windshield. I kind of felt like maybe they should have done something like that. because, And maybe this was because this episode was written from the perspective of Ben Lockwood. But it, it sort of made me like wish that the heroes uh, acted more responsibly or had a little bit better bedside manner, as it were, because there were some things that happened like um, 
when the fight goes down at the steel factory between the steel workers and uh, I think his name, his uh, species was uh, Abravik. He was a Bravik alien. And it seemed like all the emphasis was on, oh, we want to take care of the Bravik and make sure he's okay. But then ben, ben Lockwood gets attacked, even though the Bravik didn't mean to do it. He still impaled Ben Lockwood with one of his spikes. And Alex didn't seem to have any real concern about Ben Lockwood. Yeah, I will say but Alex wasn't very nice in that scene. She was just like, you're lucky, you you know, you only got that. And it was kind of like, I mean, he wasn't involved. He wasn't the, like one of the people's like throwing bottles or like, you know, coming at this guy with a pipe. He just was like an innocent bystander. He was trying to like cool de-escalate the situation. Alex was just kind of like, well, sorry, you only got impaled. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, she, she showed no sympathy for his pain or his injury or the fact that he was partly a victim in this and at that point in the episode in Ben Lockwood's journey he was sticking up for the Bravik he was trying to uh help the situation and make sure that nobody was fighting he was trying to do the right thing there and he ended up being a victim in that situation and even Jean was like uh arguing with uh Ben Lockwood's father Pete saying oh well well you think you're the victim of the assault well the uh, these other people are the victim of an assault and I just was I was so conflicted about our heroes in this episode because they did not seem to care about what was happening to Ben Lockwood. And I think that's partly why he gets increasingly frustrated with what's going on and how he's not being paid attention to and no one is listening to his concerns. And he feel like he feels like he has no other option than to do what he ends up doing. And I, I think that the episode did a great job of showing how that can kind of build up, you know, in incrementally to get to where it just kind of explodes. I think we see our heroes like so dealing with so many like top level problems and top level issues. Like they're all sitting around like in a spaceship somewhere, like trying to figure out how they're going to end this invasion. And like down on the ground, somebody's just like, could you please not flatten my house? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true. The, the heroes and we do don't have... see that perspective ever. But like it, it was interesting to get that perspective of like just that moment where he's talking to his uh, the former dean, uh, his former like boss. And uh, she's like, we're in student housing now. The latest invasion wiped out our house, too. It's like, again, first off, why does anyone live here? <laughs> but secondly, like, yeah, I mean, that's going to happen if you have, like, you know, all these ever for every exciting action scene there's somebody on the ground running away from rubble that's really true that the the heroes do have to concentrate on saving the world but then you see uh, a flashback of supergirl and allura using their heat vision and they're like breaking glass of an office building somewhere so it, it does it does uh call into question you know what kind of responsibility do they have because they they're trying to protect the citizens but they end up causing a lot of harm and a lot of devastation in the process. So uh, it makes me think of the Supergirl defense. The show has addressed this <laughs> before, where some people who had gotten uh, caught, like criminals who had gotten caught by Supergirl, they would <laughs> sort of sue her because she might have bruised them in the process or broken a bone. And so they, the show has 
dealt with the ramifications of that a little bit where Supergirl's concerned, but now we're seeing a larger effect of what happens when they try to stop the bad guy or save the world and things get a little crazy. Um, and I, I really felt for the Lockwood family because when all the Daxamite stuff was going on, they were like having to uh, save up on food and water and trying to figure out what they were going to do. How you know they were going to take their chances with trying to get past a Daxamite checkpoint. That was something that they didn't really hit on during the the whole invasion. Is that the Daxamites were stopping people from leaving? So it, that must have been really terrifying. When I was thinking about that for myself, like, what would I do if there was a Daxamite invasion? You know, you have to think about that kind of stuff. And that that also is a question of why would anybody live in National City? Because not only do you have to worry about your stuff getting destroyed, you also have to live in those terrifying times of what would I do if a supervillain would not let me leave my house. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You got to you got to be ready. Yeah. You have got to have exit strategies and plans when you uh want to evacuate. So it was just it was just very terrifying to to see some of the that um kind of stuff play out. So um we got to meet Ben's family. Uh his father most prominently we we got to meet his wife and his son uh but I think the the most time we got to spend with any of his family was his father. So what did you think uh, about his father and and his relationship with Ben? Yeah, his father was um terrible, but um <laughs> uh I mean it was interesting cuz the Ben in the beginning of the episode and the Ben in the end of the episode are so different. And I think some of the events can kind of explain that, but like not all of them, like at some point you made a choice to start stabbing people. That's, that's not on fate, dude. That's on you. Like as soon as you put on a giant man in the iron mask mask, you've taken a wrong turn somewhere. (laughs) I don't think like you can blame that on having like a bad dad. Um, yeah, he, he definitely had like an interesting relationship with his father where like in the beginning, he's kind of like, dad, don't say that. And like, by the end, he's like, that's right. Like all aliens are terrible. Um, I thought his dad was a little bit caricature-y. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I see where they're going with like the, so here's a question. Do we, had we heard of this nth metal before this episode? Yes. We had. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so nth metal, uh, as far as I can go back into my notes, uh, is was referenced in 207 in season two, uh, the episode called The Darkest Places. Um, the bars holding Monel and Kara that were, uh, they were put in a, a cell together. They were made of nth metal, and Monel actually references Thanagar, which is where nth metal comes from. So that that was the first time that it was referenced. So it doesn't come up a ton. Oh, okay. Uh, the nth metal, I had to verify because I couldn't remember if they said it on the show, but Legion of Superhero flight rings are made uh, out of nth metal. So the the, oh. nth, the nth metal, I guess, was brought. By Brainy, maybe Brainy and Monel, but it's weird they had Nth Metal in Darkest Places, which was before like Brainy showed up. I don't know. I'm I'm curious now how Nth Metal came into the show because it's associated with the Legion of Superheroes flight rings, but it was associated before that with something else. Very confused, but yeah, Nth Metal was um 
was part of that. So it doesn't come up a ton, oh, okay. but it uh, but it has been referenced uh, on the show before. So so nth metal apparently is the new thing, the new hip happening metal. <laughs> yeah, it has it has taken over the steel industry, and I I did feel sorry for. I, I would agree that uh, Pete Ben's dad. He was n- he was already at that point that like so Ben Ben's father starts out I think where Ben ends up by the end of the episode. Yeah, I would agree, and I, I think that there is just something like so you s- sort of see him instead of adapting to like the situation. Like they talk, I think Ben talks about the industrial revolution at some point. Yep. Um, and it's this idea that instead of adapting to whatever is happening, um, you just sort of dig your heels in and say it's not fair. Uh, is it's kind of <laughs> I could I can understand and sympathize, but at the same time, it's like, listen, we all have to do this sometimes. At some point in our life, like something happens, you swerve and you have to you have to get over it. Um, but he wasn't willing to. Uh, I think Ben suggests like maybe you should adapt and start you know, start working with nth metal. And he's like, no, it's got to be steel. And he's like, okay. Uh, (laughs) It's just seemed like instead of finding a solution, all he wanted to do was complain about it and blame other people. Yeah. And I think that's what Lena Luther was trying to tell Ben when he comes to see her at the, the newly established L Corp. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, and she, you know, basically said, you know, your father's a businessman. He can, he can figure out how to, how to adapt and change like you were talking about. And, and I, I, I do understand his wanting to hold on to that because that was part of his family. And that was part of, um, probably a little bit part of his identity was that, you know, he was that, that steel man, that man of steel. And, uh, so I can understand his wanting to hold on to that, but I agree that there are some, uh, industries and careers out there where like, if you don't keep up with the times, you don't keep up with the, the new technology, you're going to get left behind. So you always have to adapt and, and go with what's up and coming. So even if it wasn't nth metal, there might be something in the future that uh, Americans might have come up with that was better than steel. So you you never you never know what what could what could be the next big thing. So uh, I I can see kind of both sides of it. Like I understand why he held on to it, but I do think that he could have adapted and and gone with the new changes. Uh, so yeah, it it was it was tough that that whole situation. But and I think that the nth metal people maybe they could have not rubbed it in. So much. Uh, The uh, Universal Inth Metal Factory had these uh, signs on the side of the building, and they said things like, Alien Inth Metal better than steel, like steel, (laughs) only stronger. So they were really being jerks about it. I think uh, <laughs> that they 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 knew they had a better product and they were rubbing it in the steel factory's uh, face. <laughs> That's true. I mean, you you would think that if you were going to put up your factory, maybe like not directly across from the steel factory, you're putting out a business. It was a very uh, um, what's that movie with Meg Ryan and uh, Tom Hanks? Where oh, uh, it's like one of my favorite. Oh, you've got mail. You've it was got very, mail. You've got mail. Like they were just the little shop around the corner. Yes, that's that's the title of the original movie that that was remade of. I was trying to think of the original title. 
but I think it is the the shop around the corner. Yeah, but it, it just kind of felt like there maybe was a better place for that factory. <laughs> but at the same but at the same time, it is the free market. That's true. The better product is going to win. You're literally just angry about about the free market. And it's like, <laughs> listen, I get it. I get it. Like fight the man, but you're not fighting the man. You're just fighting the dude who's like on his like five hour shift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the man, dude. <laughs> Technically Lena is the man. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually true. And so uh, Lena does play a little bit into the Lockwood family story. What did you think about her showing up at Pete's funeral? Yeah. So first of all, I was uh, very disappointed that she wasn't wearing something completely inappropriate for the funeral. And now Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom? Like, I was hoping it was going to be, like, very short or very revealing or, like, maybe red. (laughs) She just, like, shows up in, like, a bright flowered, like, floral red dress or something like that. And she's just like, sorry. (laughs) She just, she shows up and she's like, sorry, I just came from a quinceanera. (laughs) I will agree, though, that her her funeral look was pretty on point. It was way too appropriate. I was like. (laughs) Could I mean it had like a little it had a little bit of a V in the front and I was like could the V like be like much deeper or something <laughs> like oh, we need something the shoulders were in it was black <laughs> she was dressed so appropriately I didn't know what to do with all of that <laughs> and this has been Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. I did like the fact that um, visually, and I don't know if this was an intentional camera work directing choice or if this just happened to be the case, but Lena's sunglasses, when she was talking to Ben, you could see Ben's reflection in her sunglasses. And I thought that was a really cool visual just to to see him in her, her reflection of her sunglasses. So I don't know if it was intentional. If it was intentional, A plus, even if it wasn't intentional, Still A plus. Very cool shot. <laughs> yeah, that was I think that was my favorite shot of the episode, really. Like it was so cool looking. And I was also like, where do you get those sunglasses? Because <laughs> those, those are cool sunglasses. But uh I, I did I thought it was nice that Lena went to the funeral. She didn't really know his father because his father worked with Lex, who was, you know, in jail. Um, but she did know that that they had a relationship with the family, like a business relationship. And she was like there to pay her respects and maybe like put some money towards, I, it sounded like maybe helping out the workers and maybe helping out Ben. But at this point, Ben was just like way too salty to deal with that. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm conflicted because I understand that she, you know, I like the idea that Lena wanted to come and pay her respects and set up a fun, you know, a fund in Pete's name but because of the way she sort of handled that before I was like that might be a little inappropriate even though her clothing was appropriate I don't know if it was (laughs) appropriate for her to show up at the funeral so I'm a little I'm a little conflicted because uh, Ben didn't seem to want her there so uh that's one of those things where if you're not really wanted at that funeral, should you go? Yeah, I think that is a good point. I do not feel like you should go to a funeral that you are not going to be, um, like, nobody's going to be hyped about seeing you there. Yeah. That's, like, not a great day for anyone. 
Uh, so, like, to see somebody that, that you also don't like is probably not your favorite thing. <laughs> it was interesting to me that the nth metal thing was not only a conflict between Pete and Ben and what they were going through in their own personal kind of steel situation, but Lena was was part of that conversation too with the nth metal because she has been using nth metal because she sees she's the one who's being able to adapt and change with that and use it um for what she's doing so um so lena is kind of the example of what maybe pete should have done um but he he was wanting to hold on to his old ways yeah like lena was like okay this is better (laughs) we're gonna go for this Smart businesswoman. Yeah, like you got you got to make those money moves. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking of uh, the the big moves in the episode, we got a flashback of Ben meeting the Graves uh, siblings in this episode. He gets to meet Mercy and Otis. So, what did you think about the the fact that he uh, ends up uh, getting introduced? introduced to them yeah i thought that that was cool though like the way that mercy uh shows up in the show with like the uh was it like a limousine or something oh, where yeah. she just like puts down the window and is like get in <laughs> like <laughs> mercy graves i mean obviously um uh just an awful person but also kind of awesome like if <laughs> i could just like just roll alongside somebody, put down my window and be like, get in. They would call the police on me because it's really creepy. <laughs> but for some reason, Mercy, like Mercy pulls it off. Yeah, I really liked that because uh, the way they did it in the episode where Ben is handing out the pamphlets and Otis ends up being one of the people who actually takes one. Uh, ben didn't seem very successful. He wasn't really rallying anybody to his cause. But <laughs> Otis took it and I guess went back and told his sister like hey there's someone we need to get involved with and Mercy seemed to know everything about what Ben and his buddies had been up to and uh, so that makes me think that, that Mercy has more resources than I think she does uh, but that was that was pretty awesome I agree terrible person don't do the things that she's doing but she's a great villain uh, because of it. Yeah, such a fun villain. So uh, I liked getting to see how they, the three of them connected. And I was sort of surprised that it seemed like Mercy and Otis were the ones pulling the strings instead of Agent Liberty being the, the main guy. It seems like he's not really in charge. They That they made Agent Liberty who he was because they gave him the armor. He, he made his own like faceplate. Uh, but they gave him his armor. Like, it was fully formed, already decorated, uh, you know, costume, ready to go. Your cosplay has already been done. You just (laughs) need to wear it. Um, So I was actually kind of shocked that they seemed to be the ones who created the Agent Liberty look. I guess it was up to Ben to create the persona. Uh, so I was actually surprised by that. Yeah, me too. Uh, they, they basically just gave him his whole outfit and he was like, hold on, I'm just going to add this sparkly bit to it. <laughs> <laughs> and he he just seemed to find, I guess there was some sort of uh, maybe a statue or something made out of steel because when he goes into the factory, he picks up this steel hand or arm or something. And so I guess the face went with that body, whatever that weird body was that was made out of steel <laughs> yeah i was like what is this i don't know it was very very strange but uh he did seem to uh create 
that that part of it was was him. He seemed to to uh, create that persona and that face and matched it with the armor. And I, I did think it was interesting that she told him like it's not really so much about what you're what you're physically doing because you're not great at it. You're very sloppy, uh, <laughs> but you're a great communicator. And uh, that seemed to be what uh, Ben su- was successfully doing, was was trying to communicate his ideas uh, to people he was um, trying to get to his side. And I guess we could talk about, since this is a change to the Agent Liberty that we talked about for the character Spotlight, what did you think about him as a professor? Because Agent Liberty in the comics <laughs> is a military guy. He is a, a, a serviceman. Uh, who works for the government. And uh, here we just see that he's a, a like a professor of history. Yeah, I mean, I was very disappointed that there was no jetpack, that there's still no jetpack. <laughs> still no jetpack. All I've been waiting for this whole time, all I want is a jetpack. Were, were you like me when he was pulling out all of the, the bits of his costume out onto that uh, table or whatever it was? And maybe, maybe he was going to pull that jetpack out. I know. I was like, finally, the... J- no. No, it didn't happen. <laughs> nope. Not quite. Um, yeah, I thought it was a is a weird choice to have him be a professor, but okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly why they went that route. I guess maybe they didn't want to paint a member of the the military as this you know hateful bigot who goes around murdering uh, immigrants. I guess they had to find a way around that. Maybe they didn't want to go that route. So they made him just like this history teacher at the at the local university at National City University. I don't know. I, I thought it was I thought it was cool because he did talk a lot about American history and you know, he quoted Ben Franklin and Winston Churchill and that kind that kind of stuff I really like because it, you know, forces me to go back and double check it and see if that's correct and makes me do a little research, which I enjoy doing. So that that part of it I really liked because um, you know, it made me sort of investigate more of uh, American history and so I get to learn something through that. But I I don't know. I'm sort of struggling still with understanding. Uh, well, and h- here's the thing. Maybe they thought Agent Liberty, the Sons of Liberty, I guess they're going with something else that's not the Sons of Liberty on the show, but uh, maybe because of the American history that's associated with the Agent Liberty name, maybe that translated into the American history professor situation. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah, that's the only thing Maybe. I can think of. <laughs> and I guess we could talk about the fact that when he's teaching in his uh, classes, um, it does sort of seem to, uh, it doesn't happen in his first lecture, but I think in his sec- second lecture, he does sort of go off script. <laughs> the the One of the students is like, what chapter are we on? What page are we on? Uh, so he goes off script and he uh, talks about some things that um, a- upset some of the students and the students get up and leave. And one of the students, he even tracks her down at the, I guess, the unnamed alien bar, which uh, I-, I don't know if that was exactly because I don't know if we knew last season if that if the karaoke night or the karaoke uh, was <laughs> taking place at the unnamed alien dive bar or if that was another bar not quite sure and now i'm really confused because i think this season they uh went to a bar called al's bar 
And uh, just wanted to give a shout out really quickly to one of our listeners, Cloud, who was uh, having some of the same thoughts as me because I wasn't really sure what to make of Al's Bar. Was Is that the name of the unnamed alien bar? Or <laughs> is Al's Bar another bar? Did they finally give it a name? Is Al's Bar the unnamed alien dive bar? Or is that another alien bar that they go to? I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little confused. Uh, but we did see, I don't, so I don't know if where this situation between Ben Lockwood and the student happened. I don't know if that was at Al's bar or is it at the unnamed alien diver? I'm not really sure. But what did you make of that between the, the, the conflict between, um, him teaching his classes and what the students seemed to take away from it? Yeah. I mean, well, I think he, he went from teaching actual material to just posting, uh, to just uh, doing his post-it Facebook rant uh, <laughs> in the front of the room. And so it got weird for people and they were just trying to kind of follow They were like, okay, okay. Like you quoted Benjamin Franklin. I'm, I'm kind of there with you that this has something to do with history now you're just ranting. And like, I think that I also probably would have been like, I think I'm just gonna go. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, maybe I don't want to watch somebody have a nurse breakdown in front of a whole class. Uh, but oh man, when he showed up at the, when he followed the, the student to the bar and started like yelling at her, I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's way too much. You need to like, to look at your life and look at your choices. Uh, and, but I loved it. Uh, I loved that scene of Kara like coming up and, uh, and defending her and, and, and telling him to like basically back off in like the nicest, most friendly car way possible <laughs> where she's like, help me pick out a car, a karaoke song. And like, just trying to defuse the tension. Uh, just, he was just too, uh, too focused on it. He was that tension was not going to be diffused. Yeah, that was a, a great moment for Kara. And I, I found it uh, especially interesting that he thought she was a human. He did not think that she was an alien just based on what she looked like. And so I think that that goes into part of his um, his bias that he he just assumed because of the way she looked that she wasn't an alien. And of course, he he wouldn't have known any better. Uh, just because she does look like a human. So I did think that that was interesting. And yeah, for, for me, I, I sort of liked the fact that he was challenging the students and the students were kind of pushing back on him. And so I, I, I liked some of that that um, that dialogue between them because that's sort of how sometimes you learn about, or maybe, maybe that's kind of how I learn is, you know, going into ideas that maybe I don't agree with, or I don't know anything about. And so it sort of pushes me to, to learn and kind of figure out what I think about that. And so sometimes, you know, you kind of want to be able to push back against something. So I sort of liked that, uh, that dialogue in the, in the classroom, but I agree with you that when he took it to the bar and followed her like a creepy stalker, that was not cool. That should not have taken place. Yeah, no, you, you've you way crossed some lines. But even in the classroom, it was like, what does this have to do with history? Like, it started out being about history, and then it just really veered off into, like, everything that he thought about what's going on. It's like, that's cool, but uh, that's actually not in the, the material we're covering. And, like, <laughs> yeah. your opinion is actually uh, not something I technically need to learn. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. You just go, go find an Apple box to stand 
stand on the corner and just, <laughs> which is what he does later, <laughs> like put it in a pamphlet and I, uh, I will p- pretend to not make eye contact with you as I walk by you and you try to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess there is a time and a place for some of those uh, ideas to take place. But he, I mean, he raised some good questions. I think uh, Ben Lockwood had some valid points. I think if he wanted to have like a discussion about the costs of progress, that would have been a really interesting discussion. And it seemed like maybe that's where it was going. And then it veered in a way, way into a direction. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think there, there there's some things that you could discuss about that. He just did not handle it well. Um, I, I think the fact that you mentioned a nervous breakdown, he, I mean, you could maybe categorize it as such. He had a little bit of a breakdown. And I think it was because, I mean, we we see very clearly that I think things change when he sees that the dry erase board is made out of nth metal. And that's just this, <laughs> this, uh, this, this thing that just sends him off into to crazy land because it so affects him. Um, because of everything that's happened with his family. Uh, but I mean, he, he he raises good questions like how does the human worker compete with a superpowered alien who can lift a whole bunch of weight, uh, you know, and, and is stronger than a, a regular human? Or how can a human worker compete with someone who can fly across the country and, and it makes our delivery trucks worthless? So I think those are valid questions to ask. It's like the home insurance covering yeah. alien invasions. Well, I thought it was an interesting, uh, an interesting question because I mean, if we're, we're currently pretty like not so far away from self-driving cars. And once that happens, what happens to people who uh, work in the trucking industry? Yeah. And that's a, that's a huge industry. I mean, I see big trucks like that all the time. So that would be a question that could, could be raised. So yeah, I mean, I, th- I, again, I think he raised some valid points and had a lot of good questions. I just think he did not handle it well. And he went down a path that he really, I mean, you can't, I guess you can come back from it if you want to seek redemption. I do believe in forgiveness and redemption. So I still have maybe hopes for Ben Lockwood that he'll turn from these terrible ways. But he went down a really uh, twisted path that led him down some directions that he should not have gone in. And so it does, it, it is hard to watch in the fact that it's, it's sad to see this good man at the beginning of the episode and and his wife even says you know you're a good man benjamin lockwood it's sad to see this this man who really did stick up for an alien and who did um want to make sure that everything was peaceful and fine and then he turns into this guy that um seems like he has no other i mean the episode made it seem like he had no other choice he tried to go to the news media he tried to deal with it in the educational system he um he tried to deal with it in the workforce and and nothing nothing seemed to help nothing seemed to give him an opportunity to to deal with this stuff so but of course i mean there are always other ways to go about it he could have gone to see his congressman or his congresswoman he could have you know started a blog and written his experiences he could have started a youtube channel and got his message out there i hear i hear caradanvers.com is available he could have started blobbing so <laughs> there are other ways because you know even if even if catco wasn't going to tell his story maybe he could tell his own story there i mean with new these days with uh, YouTube and all these other different uh, digital media platforms, they're all, I mean, he could have started a podcast. 
he could have started a podcast. Exactly. Listen, <laughs> podcasts are great. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be biased, but it's a good method of communicating. So there are better ways that he could have handled uh, someone not telling his story or not paying attention to the struggles that he was facing and that other people were facing as well. So, yeah, it's just it's tough to watch because you you see where he makes the mistakes that that um, or at least I do. I see the mistakes that he makes and I wish he had turned back from them. So uh, I think that what this episode did really well is show his perspective, uh, make you feel or make me feel, uh, I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody, uh, make me feel a little sympathy for him, but also understand that he's he's a guy who's made a lot of bad choices. So I, I think the balance that this episode uh, tried to, to hit, I think think for the most part I think they hit it yeah I think I mean I think if you're gonna have a villain for the season it's always nice to give them backstory and especially if it's a villain like this one to give them reasons or else it kind of can be it can feel a little cartoonish so I think that um I mean I think his father was a little bit of a cartoonish figure but I think that we yeah but for him I think that we got uh, a backstory that while it did sort of jump from uh you know kind of aggravated to murdery a little bit fast for my tastes uh it did it did make sense and I I liked the progression of it and I really liked that um we basically got like a lot of like Supergirl greatest hits I thought that <laughs> yeah. was fun like just being able to go back through the show and be like oh I remember that episode I remember that one I remember talking about how many times she said hope in that speech <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did they did uh, carry us through through the Supergirl uh, canon very well. And I think that that was very successful throughout the episode. Uh, before we move on to Supergirl, because we need to talk about uh, what's going down with Supergirl and the, the kryptonite radiation. But before we move on, uh, there's a scene where Ben is holding up a Daily Planet newspaper that is uh, from Friday, August 2nd, uh, 2018, which I thought was uh, an intriguing uh, date, just very specific. Um, and it has the headline that reads... Planet's own James Olsen is Guardian, but will he face charges? And, you know, I love the Daily Planet. I love Lois Lane, one of my favorite characters in all of fiction. But I have a real problem with this uh, front page story of the Daily Planet because I feel like the Daily Planet has their priorities out of whack because the top story is James Olsen is Guardian. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's newsworthy for sure. But then below it is Rain defeated by Supergirl, <laughs> which I think. Wait, why, why is that <laughs> not the top story? <laughs> I think the Rain defeated by Supergirl should be above uh, the James is Guardian story. I mean, it's the, the Supergirl thing is barely above the fold, barely above the fold. And I don't know. I just I feel like they have gotten their priorities out of whack over there at the Daily Planet, and it makes me very upset with them uh, because uh, saving the world might be a little more important than uh, James putting on a costume and going out and uh, beating up some criminals. That's maybe just me, though. Uh, so uh, I want I want the Daily Planet to do better. Just do a little better. Yeah, just like just prioritize like a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe they are, are suffering from that competition with Catco because Catco's winning Pulitzers and uh, the Daily Planet. Maybe they can't keep up and they're like, we need to uh, deal with this James Olsen thing because we have we have an end with that. 
we that's that's part of our thing. I don't know. I just come on, David Planet. You've got to do better. Uh, so that was just my feeling on that. So let's uh, let's go from uh, James and Catco and uh, the Daily Planet to something much more serious. Uh, Supergirl is dealing with kryptonite radiation, and Alex is trying to figure out what to do for her because Brainy basically says says uh, we can't really do anything for her. She's gonna just gonna maybe die. So uh, <laughs> what do you think about Lena Luther coming in and uh, saving the day? I, I laughed a little bit because I was like, are, is Lena Luther smarter than Brainiac? <laughs> like, is, is Lena Luther smarter than Brainy? Is this is this where we are? Is this what what's hap- what's happening? <laughs> I don't think we know what level intellect she is. I don't either, but it, it, it's starting to feel that way. <laughs> it's got to be sky high. I mean, she's, she's got to be up got to be impressive. Uh, I really liked I really liked when Alex said, like, I know you and Supergirl don't always agree on things, but I'm really glad like I'm I we really appreciate your coming here to help. And Lena was like, yeah, of course. Like, that's like you you guys are underestimating me. And I was like, are you? Because like you have the smartest dude in the world right there. And you're like, let's call Lena Luther. She's <laughs> gonna know what to do. Uh but I like that idea that like even though Supergirl and Lena aren't uh, BFFs, uh, Lena will drop everything to come and help. Yeah, I like that too, that uh, she sort of got over her beef with Supergirl because she realized that this this is a big deal. I mean, maybe the Daily Planet doesn't realize that Supergirl is a big deal, but Lena Luther is like, this is, this is a bad thing. If we lose Supergirl, that's gonna be bad. So I think she did prioritize a little bit better than the Daily Planet. She said, okay, Supergirl <laughs> is in trouble. Uh, I need to do whatever I can to help her. Um, and, and she doesn't have the the full uh, solution to it. She she just says, here, I can give you this cool, awesome little thing that creates a suit uh, mechanically, I guess, uh, and just kind of covers her, you know, from the, the kryptonite radiation. And so I can't fix it right now, but we can put her in this to contain her so that we can then find what to do about it so it she doesn't uh completely solve it but uh the, maybe they'll find another solution uh in future episodes uh but i did think it was that's so funny that you mentioned brainy because brainy was very impressed with this device that she brought so it is uh, it is a wonder why he he didn't think of it himself uh but i guess she's been she's been working on this thing uh, that she she has. It's a radiation-controlled proto-environment housed in a vacuum-sealed mechanical exoskeleton contained in a spring-loaded 2-millimeter disc, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that she came in to save the day. And I, I did like that they when they were trying out solutions before Lena showed up, they tried some other things like the yellow sun radiation and the sun lamps, which we've seen before, because Supergirl does get affected by kryptonite a great deal on this show. And it makes me think of Mauricio, one of our listeners, uh, Mauricio's voicemail from a little while back where he talked about being tired of kryptonite always being used uh, to be the thing that hurts Supergirl. And I would agree that now it's kind of feeling like, okay, I've 
we've we've sort of been through this a couple of times. So maybe in the future, maybe use magic. Magic can affect Supergirl. So maybe uh, do something with that. Find a find a magician. Find Zatanna. Bring Constantine over to have some uh, magical craziness going on. Uh, because Kryptonite is getting a little played out. So much Kryptonite. So much Kryptonite. Uh, but I did like the thing on her chest. I think was used uh, like Supergirl and Superman used it to fight Metallo. Was that the same thing? Maybe? I think so. I was trying to cross-reference everything that they were bringing back from all of the different episodes. Like, even when uh, Lena talked about the gala fundraiser for the children's hospital, I was like, is that Crossfire or is that um, for good? I couldn't determine if it was from season two or season three. So I had a lot of questions. I was trying to keep up with all of the little Easter eggs that they were dropping in the episode. Uh, but I think that thing that she put on her chest was the the thing that she and um, Superman wore to fight Metallo. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, well, overall thoughts, Morgan, uh, what, what did you come away with in this episode? Uh, I like this one. I thought it was, it was fun to get a, uh, on the ground view of like what the little people experience in national city. Um, I got to know more about the National City real estate market, which I'm always <laughs> curious about. I always want to know about. Tell me what those home prices are like. Um, I, but I thought it was good to get a backstory on um, Agent Liberty because we've gotten very little of him in the season, um, except for like a, a dude in a in a really gaudy gold mask. So uh, now I feel like I sort of know more about him as a villain, and like that makes a better villain. Um, and I, I liked sort of going through time, like going through Supergirl time, going all the way back to the end of season one and just moving forward. I thought it was interesting to see how the various uh, epic battles, uh, uh, actually affected people on the ground. Yeah. I think this episode really stood out for me because I thoroughly enjoyed the format of this episode, uh, the way it used the flashbacks and it used the main characters to to weave in and out of Ben's story. We got to see a little bit of how he uh, interacted with Alex and Supergirl and Jean and how he interacted with Lena Luthor and James. So that was actually really fun for me because, and I think this is why I enjoyed it so much, um, I don't try to hold up uh, every show as in comparison with Lost. I try not to do that because that's not really fair. Lost is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. <laughs> and I would argue it's maybe the best TV show of all time. Come at me. Um, but I think <laughs> one of the reasons that I liked this episode so much is it sort of felt like an episode of Lost. And I think anytime you can aspire to get there, uh, that's a good episode for you, for your sh- for your show. Um, I-, I would love it if the show incorporated more lost elements. Uh, we did have an almost plane crash in the pilot. Uh, Supergirl saved the plane, so it didn't really uh, happen. Uh, I think we could maybe get a magical island in here somewhere. I, f- I feel like that could be something you could incorporate into uh, the Supergirl TV series. Uh, so, you know... I, but give me more lost uh, references and uh, elements. That would be great. But I, I did like the way that they used the uh, Supergirl canon and previous seasons to uh, make everything feel connected. And I also felt like this episode for me brought a lot of balance 
to the season. We already had the, we, I mean, for a while, we've had the pro-alien side of what's going on. So getting the perspective of humans on the ground, I thought was really needed. Uh, yeah, I think we did bring up the fact that we've, <laughs> we've uh, had discussions about national city, city real estate before. Those are things that we've talked about, but the show really hadn't addressed that kind of thing. So it was really nice to get to see that side of what happens in National City. So um, I, I really, um, even though this, is what, this was a tough watch, it was a tough, tough episode to watch, I thought it was actually really stellar in terms of the formatting, in terms of the writing, in terms of the performance. I thought Sam Witwer did a really great job uh, trying to make this character uh, believable in, in his journey and how he got to where he is as Agent Liberty. So um, I actually really uh, enjoyed this episode in terms of uh, those things. Well, and I guess that's going to do it for our thoughts, but let's find out what our listeners thought about Man of Steel. Sure. Uh, our first tweet comes from S.L. Fricky, who says, Sam Whitworth was great, and I think the episode did a mostly good job of showing where Ben Lockwood's point of view comes from. The, jo- the jump to murderer was a bit jarring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Alex, James, and Lena were kind of dismissive jerks when he was being more reasonable and asking for help. Suggestion, though, if you've got an uncontrollable biological defense function that can shoot spikes out of your arms when you're agitated— Maybe consider wearing some sort of special long sleeve gloves or something. Maybe a made of nth metal, perhaps. Perhaps that's a yeah. Good that does suggestion. seem like maybe you would want to um, just wear long sleeves that day. <laughs> <laughs> um, at women I M R L said, wow, this story is being told from the biggest point of view. This is on point and timely considering the terrorist attack this weekend. Uh, this is great storytelling. Um, at Paradox Kid said, Man of Steel was a top-notch episode. Sam Witwer was fantastic and even showed callbacks to his Davis Bloom mannerisms from his Smallville days. Loved how they showed the alien devastation from the ground perspective like the epic beginning of Batman versus Superman. Yeah, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, yeah, uh, BVS does a really good job of that as well, showing uh, you know the man on the ground, Bruce Wayne is the man, seeing what the, the gods are doing up in the sky, you know, fighting and creating all of that devastation and that death um so it it did sort of remind me of that as well um okay at good girl gone gay said still no jetpack sad face (laughs) (laughs) which i agree with uh the the idea behind the episode could have been interesting showing what happens to people that are not deo during the yearly alien invasion but it was too heavy-handed and i did not appreciate having the entire episode revolve around the human humanization of a terrorist it was unsettling especially in regards to current world events the lack of Melissa Benoist was strongly felt. However, Lena's outfits were on point as usual, and she can come to my funeral anytime she wants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sad thing, if uh, she came to your funeral, you wouldn't know. You would it. miss that outfit. Yeah. That's... I mean, unless it was like you pop out and you're like, JK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, I, I kind of think that every season of the show has humanized a terrorist, though. Uh, I mean, Astra was a terrorist for sure. Uh, we got some uh, sympathy for her because she was Kara's family, and then Queen Rhea. I, I think they simp- you know, made us feel a little sympathy for her because of her love for Monel. Uh, definitely last season in season three with the whole Rain Sam thing, trying to humanize her and uh, emphasize the human. I mean, I can understand the the point of not humanizing the terrorists, but I, I think the show has always done that. I don't know if that's a fair thing to say 
But that's that's kind of how it seems to me is that they've always given the big bads of the show uh, a sympathetic sympathetic background. Yeah, I think they always try to show why they're doing what they're doing so that it's not just like, I'm a villain because, and then they twirl yeah. their mustache, uh, which I don't find super interesting anyway. Uh, so I thought it was uh, like a good um, a good chance for them to show like what the villain, like what the villain's whole deal was beyond just like being evil for evil's sake. Yeah. Um, at Chris Fundelinski said, love seeing the backstory for Agent Liberty and Sam Witwer was fantastic. So, Supergirl in the super suit, how will they explain Kara's absence to <laughs> Lena? I'm picturing Kara spontaneously taking a sabbatical, maybe in a yurt. Or maybe Kara is off doing research on pelicans. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question because I don't know how long this super suit will last. Uh, I think the best part of this uh, scenario is that if Kara is suddenly uh, missing, she just started mentoring somebody and now she's <laughs> gonna be gone for a sabbatical like a sabbatical Nia's gonna come in and be like okay all ready to learn about the journalism profession uh Kara Kara that's true because Nia doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl either so Nia's gonna be like where is my mentor I was so ready to be mentored <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. Um, um, at Madtown Davison said, I think this was the Melissa Benoist is doing a Broadway show. Got to do something episode. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really care for it. All I could think the whole time is Jake Peralta saying, cool motive, still murder. <laughs> That's such a, a good point. I thought that immediately when they, um, when they first off, when she was out of commission for the whole episode. And then when their solution was to uh, put her in a suit that, that conveniently covers her face, I was like, Ah, Broadway. <laughs> yes, I, I think this was shot early on when she was still in New York doing her Broadway musical. So the, very, very crafty. I will give the show that, that they thought of a way to make that work. Uh, so uh, good for them. And I also agree. Cool motive, still murder. Love it. Um, at SS20 Big Tasty said, Sam Witwer was fantastic in this episode. Um, at Fateful Fool said, I cannot say I enjoyed the episode, but it did a good job of establishing Agent Liberty's backstory and why he will be such a dangerous foe. The scene of Ben Lockwood giving the pamphlet to the dean and asking her to join a support group gave me chills. Um, at VH451 said, this week's episode left me pretty unsettled given the terrible events from this past week. So I'm going to snark to cheer myself up. Uh, one, just where is National City with respect to O? anywhere <laughs> and two should someone send superman a memo just a thought uh yeah where is national city has to be somewhere in california right i think so because we had seen palm trees in season one and i'm pretty sure the danvers live by a body of water so i think they live on the west coast yeah because well also she was coming from dc and she went down in nevada so yeah she's got a but it's got to be somewhere California-ish. You know, California by way of Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it, maybe maybe it's changed now. Maybe maybe Cara's... Well, Cara hasn't moved, though. She's been in that same National City location. That's true. That, uh, that loft. So uh, uh, and until we uh, learn anything further, I think she's West Coast, probably California. Yeah. I think we just have to assume that uh, National City is in Cali-Coover. <laughs> and <laughs> that's where it is. Um, oh, at Patty Mello 20 said after the election, um, my country this Sunday, 
Uh, see a reasonable to see a reasonable man blame an entire race for his problems was not the greatest. Hate is never the answer, and them trying to justify his behavior because of things that happened to him was gross. At least Lena's outfits saved the episode. They always do, I think. Um, at Jesso thirteen said, "I feel bad that Kara has to wear that suit full time." for now uh she literally has to be supergirl 24 7 eating can't be easy and it is kind of like being back in her pod in a way seems a bit claustrophobic but she's not dead <laughs> uh interested to see how they explain Carr's absence that was a good point i had not thought of uh how will she eat yeah, how is she gonna eat I'd like to see her, like, raise the, like, little visor, uh, like, a half an inch and just, like, shove a pizza in there. Because, you know, she loves donuts. She loves pot stickers. Uh, she she eats pizza with Alex. So, Kara loves to eat. So, this is going to be a problem for her. This is going to be a real problem. <laughs> uh, at... Pilsney said doing an episode meant to be sympathetic to the villain character who is clearly a symbolic representation for racism in this current political climate is a bad take uh, capital B capital T <laughs> <laughs> um, at Dougie 448 yep that's right uh, I, I do, uh, do, blanked do, on numbers do, Doogie maybe Doogie uh, I'm sorry Doogie and or Dougie is, I think, maybe what I said. Um, I feel a Beastie Boys snap judgment coming on. Uh, well, just just wait yeah, till yeah. we get to the snap judgments. Uh, we might be able to uh, bring uh, bring that dream to life. Uh, well, we have an email from Leslie who writes, quote, Unfortunately for me, this episode was my least favorite ever. I am the type of fan who likes seeing Supergirl be generally successful like she was in season one's episodes. This episode provided an explanation for all of the alien hatred, but the episode had no one providing a voice of reason. And of course, Kara never wrote that story on the Daxmite invasion. Uh, the only <laughs> tiny solution to the massive damage caused by the various alien invasions was Lena, who wanted to set up a trust fund for only uh, Lockwood's family and workers. Has no one else thought about providing any sort of economic relief? Unquote. Great question, Leslie. Uh, I, this would maybe be where I brought in Maxwell Lord or Morgan Edge, because Morgan Edge seemed like a guy who was into the National City real estate. Uh, so this yeah. this would have been a great time for him to step up and be like, I'm going to help the city and I'm going to build all these buildings and get get richer. I feel like Morgan Edge would just buy up like uh, the, all the buildings that got like messed up, flip them and then make a profit. I don't feel like he was like for the people. I feel like Maxwell Lord maybe had like a little bit of like, let's all we're all in this together. Also, I'm sort of evil. <laughs> but I feel like Morgan Edge was just straight up like. Money, 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 money. <laughs> <laughs> that seems right. That seems right. <laughs> but seriously, it, it would be nice to like see, I don't know, something about this world where like there's no kind of like, I don't know, is there is there an alien invasion FEMA? Like <laughs> there should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also have an email from Alex who writes, I thought they were going to give Agent Liberty some backstory, but I didn't think he would be the whole story in this episode. Showing the recent tragedies of his life, the family business ruined, home destroyed before his 
his family's eyes, the death of his father, all attributed to alien invasions and alien technology was pretty much expected. But it was a nice touch that when Lockwood went to people he thought he could count on for sympathy, particularly Lena, James, and the dean at his college, he pretty much got the brush off. Even Alex told him and the workers at his father's factory were lucky Supergirl and the FBI were not harder on them during the brawl with alien workers. Being dismissed by people Lockwood came to for help was definitely the last straw for him. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they 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 didn't just stop at oh, aliens have destroyed my home and things are terrible and led to my father's death. They actually took the time in the writing to show uh, how he uh, kind of gives up on trying to do things the right way and and goes off the deep end. So they at least justified it a little bit in the writing. So yeah, that was that's a good point. Well, uh, Daryl also wrote in with some thoughts, writing, quote, the show should explore true lead and radiation poisoning with certain characters. When Lena and Lillian are in the room when the lead dispersal device goes off and they're perfectly fine because I guess only fake lead poisoning is a thing on Earth-38. In the episode Fallout, Jensen, Mercy, and Otis are in the room when the kryptonite spreads, and not only is that small amount supposed to cover the world, which it does so quickly as to be unbelievable, it leaves those three unaffected. Kryptonite doesn't affect humans as fast as Kryptonians, but it can affect them. Lex Luthor got cancer at one point from the kryptonite radiation from a ring he wore, unquote. So yeah, that has been established in Lex, the Lex Luthor mythos that he does get kryptonite poisoning. So that's a, I mean, I think that's a valid point. W- would the kryptonite dispersal machine affect people, uh, affect humans just as, just as it affects Kara? Yeah, that is a, that's a really good point. Uh, We have an email from New Rachel who writes, I'm wondering what the kryptonite in the atmosphere will do to the red daughter slash Russian slash Kaznian car we've seen. I mean, we assume it would kill her, but perhaps she's still underground punching those rocks and building a bunker for herself. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe this is completely irrelevant and we could find out later that she's completely immune to kryptonite. I'm not completely sure whether she's a clone or was created by the Haranel or something else, but I think it's worth noting that kryptonite was not present in the Red Sun story either, so for whatever reason she may not be dealt with in that way. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think of poor, uh, poor Russian Kara, who's just uh, just punching, punching, punching away. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe she is building that bunker down there. Who knows? Uh, so, yeah, that's a good point. Would, would the kryptonite affect her as well? Well, we have an email from Erica who writes, quote, I feel this episode was a little too topical, as you ladies like to say, especially in the referencing to the alien species species as roaches throughout the episode. It felt too close to reality, in my opinion. The episode does a good job in showing where some of the anti-alien sentiment is coming from. I enjoyed how they reintegrated the plots from previous seasons to exemplify how those affected the citizens of National City. I thought overall it was an interesting episode uh, because it provided us with a different perspective in the background to Ben Lockwood's change. Also, now we know Mercy Graves is the mastermind behind it all. With that being said, I would like to ask you your thoughts on the possibility of Lena being a target of Agent Liberty. Uh, Since he does blame her for their business going under, causing his family hardship and ultimately the death of his father, or do you think Mercy Graves has plans for her? 
After all, Lena did build that suit for Supergirl, and Mercy considers her a traitor to humankind, unquote. So, Morgan, what do you think about that? Do you think Mercy Graves might come after Lena, or do you think she's going to try to get Lena to work with them? I don't know. That's an interesting question, because I think that Mercy does consider Lena a traitor, but... I also think that there did seem to be some like affection there for her in their fight scene, uh, which was awesome. Uh, so, so I actually don't know. I don't know. I could, I could see it going either way with Mercy. Yeah, I, I think Mercy might tempt Lena by the end of this story arc, whether that be the end of the first half of the season or if this carries out, out to the the full season. Uh, I, I think Mercy's going to try to recruit her at some point. That's that's my feeling on it. Yeah, me too. Uh, we have an email from Matt who writes, This week was intense. While I'm loving the brave, bold stance, stances this show is taking, I'm slowly becoming disenchanted with the over-political messages. This week I went through a myriad of emotions. The multiple bomb threats in the news this week shook me and directly affected my place of employment. I'm a journalist. I went home after the first day exhausted. I was worried all day something would show up at my office. That evening I was past feeling. I was numb. I couldn't worry anymore. I didn't have the energy. By Friday and the news of many stop threats later, I was angry. All this nonsense stems out of a difference in political ideology. Why do people give in to hate? Uh, I love Cara Zorel. I love Cara Danvers. Like Rebecca, I ship Cara and happiness. Uh, She represents hope. At the end of the day, I know there is a bigger force out there. My hope and specifically my faith have given me comfort during these hard times. I'm just surrounded myself with the positive things. What Supergirl storylines in the... what Supergirl storylines in the comics would you recommend for a positive vibe comic break? Uh, thanks for having the tough conversations of this show. I love that while Rebecca and Morgan may not agree on everything, because that would be boring, you're civil, funny, talented entertainers, and wonderful human beings. Thanks for spreading good. Oh, that's that got so sweet at the end. Yeah, that's that's very nice. Uh, I You probably wouldn't know this uh, on the news or even on Twitter, but people who might not share all of the same ideas and feelings about things, they can actually talk to each other and have a civil conversation. And this might blow your mind. They might be able to be friends. I know. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's a crazy oh. thought. <laughs> but... Not everybody's going to agree on everything. And you can, if you work on it and you're open-minded enough, you might actually be able to uh, carry on a conversation. So I appreciate that about you, Morgan. I just want to say that publicly on the podcast. Oh, I thank you. You have been very uh, good to discuss it because it's been tough to discuss this stuff this season. I mean, it has been it has been real topical. Very, very topical. <laughs> just rip. From the headlines. <laughs> um, but you know what? I Like, Matt, first of all, we are so happy that you are safe. Uh, yes. It was very scary last week. Uh, I also, a couple years ago, worked in the New York Times building. So all I could think of last week was, like, how happy I was that I wasn't working there. So I can't imagine how stressful that must have been for you guys. Um, but, yeah, I think that this is uh, – I, I understand the, the feeling of, like – just being exhausted by everything that's happening and then like turning on your, your happy show and it's, it's topical and you're just like, (laughs) man, I just, I just wish Supergirl was, was, I don't know, doing some karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I'm right there with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't want to speak for you, Morgan, but uh, I think uh, Supergirl Radio uh, really enjoyed uh, Sterling Gates's Adventures of Supergirl comics. Uh, that would be something that I would recommend. Uh, we covered it on the podcast. So if you uh, want to read Adventures of Supergirl and then listen to our episodes on it, uh, you might enjoy those. I would definitely recommend it because it's a it's a good um, it's a short series, a, a short run on the comics, but it has uh, a good ending to it. Uh, there, there's some sigh in there. You get to meet a new villain that Sterling created for the Supergirl mythos. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Danvers six, sisters action in there. You get to meet uh, Vril Docs. Uh, so there's there's some cool stuff in Adventures of Supergirl. Really easy read. Great art. Highly recommend. Uh, and I basically would recommend anything Supergirl uh, related uh, with the, the name Sterling Gates on it um, because there's also uh, a trade paperback. Agreed. <laughs> uh, there's also a trade paperback called Bizarro Girl uh, that it's it's part of a bigger arc, but if you just want to read Bizarro Girl, I think it's okay to read a standalone story. But that, I will say that that book, I already liked Supergirl, but that book made me love the character of Supergirl because of her interaction with Bizarro Girl and the relationship that they have with each other. Uh, so if you want something good, heartfelt, positive, that's also something that I would highly recommend. So uh, those those are the 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 happy, good feeling Supergirl comics that I personally would recommend. Uh, and we also have an email from Shang who wrote in with a question about Miss Desmarker. Uh, asking, quote, in light of the Lex Luthor soon-to-be-arrival news on the show, do you think that Eve Tessmacher is a mole <laughs> that would backstab Lena since she has been associated with Lex Luthor in other adaptations, unquote? So what do you think about that, Morgan? Do you think Eve could take a turn to join Lex Luthor? I mean, it's always possible, <laughs> but I feel like she's got a pretty good situation with <laughs> Lena. And, like, Lena doesn't yell her name like I feel like <laughs> Lex totally would yeah I, 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 I honestly I feel like if we don't get him yelling her last name it will have been uh, a failure <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think she's pretty loyal to Lena they're they're in there doing sciencey things together they're running ar around you know uh escaping uh some some uh mercy graves uh, military kind of uh, security forces with each other. They've been through some stuff. So I feel like Eve is pretty loyal to Lena. So I don't know if it'll happen, but I wouldn't be against it either. <laughs> uh, we have an email from Danielle who writes, this week's episode reminded me a lot of one of the episodes of Legends of Korra season one, where they delved into the backstory of the season's big bad, Ammon, who was an anti-bender leader of a group called the equalists who want to do away with bending and make everybody equal and I greatly enjoyed the parallel being a fan of both shows. I'm curious to see more of Agent Liberty and how Carr and the team will deal with him. I have not seen that show. I have also not you know what it's funny because on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast plug plug uh, <laughs> we, we end up talking about like uh, Avatar the last airbender a lot um, and I just I haven't seen it um, and I haven't seen this one either, but I feel, I feel a connection to them, a kinship to them, uh, because they're mentioned so often, uh, but I have still not watched them. 
Uh, Well, we have an email from Alejandra who writes, quote, I think the writers did a good job showing a sympathetic story for Agent Liberty, but I don't think the writers were trying to justify his actions. I think this is why Lena's line, I get that you're angry, but you can't go down this path blaming other people for your problems because you'll just end up like my brother, was so important. Yes, Ben Lockwood has a sad and tragic backstory, but that doesn't justify his bigotry and xenophobia. I guess that goes back to Jake Peralta, cool motive, still murder. <laughs> so true. Um, and we have an email from Fanny who writes, I don't know if you noticed in the episode Fallout, when the president is being sworn in, you see him putting his thumb on the device invented by Lena to see if you're an alien. The president got the green light, so he's definitely human. Just thought this was an interesting detail. Uh, did you notice that, Rebecca? Because I 100% did not. I did not. I think this is a great catch by Fanny because it went by so quickly. If you go back and watch it, I, I was more concerned that because I was reading the lower third on the shot where it says, you know, at this uh, swearing in ceremony. And I, my, I was concentrated to that because I was wanting to read that. And I totally miss he actually does uh, use his uh, finger on the device. So Great catch, Fanny. Uh, Finally, I think I have an idea on how Lena will get rid of the kryptonite in the air. I have a feeling she will use the black rock to filter the air just like it was done on Argo. At the end of season three, we see Lena and Eve testing it. Lena even created some for Allura. That's a really great speculation that maybe Hmm. she will use the Uticale that she's been uh, messing around with. Uh, I could see maybe that working. Maybe she'll fight kryptonite with kryptonite. I just remembered that, like, I kept on, last season, I kept on calling it Utica, like the city (laughs) in New York. (laughs) Ah, good times. Simpler times. She's going to use that Utica to fix everything. You know Utica, they they can get it done. (laughs) Uh, Well, our final email comes from Sam, who writes, quote, I've been reading some complaints online about Man of Steel being a Supergirl light episode. Personally, I couldn't disagree more. I think we need more episodes like this, not just episodes devoted to the villain, but other characters as well. The reason I think this way is because this is the age of serialized television, where an episode of a superhero show would once have been an adventure of the week. These days, they are more like chapters of a book, with each season being like a book in an ongoing series. To me, this episode was an important chapter in developing the story of this season, unquote. I actually, I don't know how you feel about this, Morgan, but I agree with Sam. Like, change it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Give me more backstory for other characters. And now I... to, To be fair, I'm a car fan first and foremost, so I always want there to be all car all the time. Oh, yes. But... I wouldn't mind switching it up a little bit and giving more characters more story. Yeah, I mean, I, how many times have we asked for a Pam from HR episode? Where is that episode? I demand that episode. <laughs> would you introduce our voice, our voicemail? I sure would. I wasn't looking at the doc. <laughs> okay, oh, we have an, uh, and we have a voicemail from Jordan. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Jordan Valdez calling in once again. I just watched. Man of Steel, uh, not not the movie, uh, the uh, episode of Supergirl, and I was just blown away. Uh, this is truly one of the greatest villain origin stories I've ever seen. Uh, Smallville alum Sam Witwer, he kills it as Agent Liberty, uh, portraying a villain that we can both sympathize with and uh, that I truly fear. And I, I think he's so brilliant in this episode, and I'm already ready to call him Supergirl's best villain to date. 
I mean, and, and and that's actually saying something because uh, I loved Indigo and I loved Rain. So I think Supergirl has had some super villains in the past, but I already after after this one episode where we really get a look into his backstory, I'm already ready to call him the best. Um, uh, getting getting that insight into his backstory and sort of seeing previous events on Supergirl from his perspective it reminds me of the beginning of Batman v Superman, where we see the Battle of Metropolis from Bruce's perspective. It reminds me a lot of that. And then uh, the end with uh, the reveal of Supergirl's new suit. This is not the um, way I was expecting it to play into the story, but I think it's really cool. I'm super excited to see it. I love the look of it. So uh, that's really cool. But, yeah, just absolutely blown away by this episode. So super eager to hear y'all's thoughts, and I'll talk to y'all later. Clana forever. Bye-bye. Jordan is uh, bringing the hot take this week. He thinks Ooh. that uh, Agent Liberty is Supergirl's best villain to date. What do you say about that, Morgan? In a universe where Lillian Luther exists, I can't agree. <laughs> but I feel you, Jordan. I'm there. I'm almost there with you. I'm kind of there with you. But also that now I'm remembering Queen Rhea. Um, so maybe I'm not as there with you as I thought. <laughs> I think Agent Liberty has the potential to get there. But I agree. You have Lillian Luther. You have Queen Rhea. I would even argue Rain was a great villain. Uh, Livewire was a great villain until she oh, uh, Livewire. Uh, became, you know, a uh, frenemy kind of on the side of good with uh, Supergirl. So maybe Livewire, I'd have to take her out because she eventually uh, became good and sacrificed herself for other people. Uh, but, I mean, Lillian Luther, Queen Rhea rain that's that's tough to beat supergirl really has some great villains even if i have some problems with the show the villains have never been really the problem so um even astra astra was awesome uh so at 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 a certain point she also uh kind of got a little bit redeemed at the end so (sighs) but then there's also indigo with that great hand acting yeah have we i mean i didn't really clock a lot of a lot of hand acting with Agent Liberty, but like <laughs> I believe, I believe in Sam Witwer. He could hand act. I think he, he could make it work. Let's give him some really long, uh, ridiculous nails in the next episode and just see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that Sam Witwer is working that mask, though. The way that he tilts his head, where it sort of makes it seem a little more ominous, because he's like staring at you through the mask. He is, uh, he's doing some good mask acting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's, uh, I mean, that's a real talent to be, a, we'll find out if, uh, uh, air quotes, Melissa Benoist can do some <laughs> of that same mask <laughs> acting in the next episode, aka Melissa Benoist stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah they're gonna make it work uh they uh had a plan and they are gonna see it through with uh the scheduling so good for the show well before we wrap up our feedback we have some snap judgments sent in by our listeners yeah well actually just one listener and then there's a suggestion from a listener, I guess, uh, wh- how we should phrase that. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So the first one is from Shang, who asks, Kara revealing to Lena she is Supergirl by unbuttoning her shirt with a classic, you know, Supergirl shirt rip. Or, and and a talk, so I guess the the first option is shirt rip plus a talk, or mm-hmm. Kara jumping in front of Lena to save her. Ooh, 
okay. I mean, good question. Classic short rip is classic for a reason. <laughs> but I think, like, car jumping in front of Lena to save her seems more likely. Yeah, I could see that happening. Part of me doesn't want that, though, because then it makes Lena be, have to kind of face up to the fact of how uh, maybe oblivious she was to the whole thing. Like, oh, now I see it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be t- it's gonna be tough for for everybody either way. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go. Just f- tell the truth, Cara. Yeah, God. I, why is this so hard? Uh, <laughs> I'm just I maybe I'll go classic uh, shirt rip. I think that's how I'm gonna go with that. Nice. This comes from a suggestion from at Doogie four four eight. So uh, Doogie four four eight. This one is for you. The snap judgment is for you. All right, Morgan, get ready. Okay. Yes. Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys or Africa by Toto. Ooh, and I guess maybe we should spe- maybe we should break this down. Uh, th- maybe we could do that. We could answer it in terms of better song, or hmm. or one that you would uh, sing karaoke to. Okay, that's a tough one because I'm not super familiar with Intergalactic by the Beastie Boys. In that, I don't remember what it sounds like. But I probably am aware. Like I'm probably familiar with it if you played it for me. <laughs> but just like title wise. I'm not getting a lot. So, I mean, if I had to, I would bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> uh, for me, if I was going, uh, so, whew, this is tough. I think in both scenarios, uh, the better song plus uh, which karaoke I would do, I think I would, I would also bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> I think that that would be the the choice for both of those for me because I I like the, I mean, I really like the Beastie Boys. I, I do some, a mean, uh, I guess it's Guitar Hero, Rock Band, one of those. I can, I can nail uh, so what you want on expert level. Like I, I can, I can blow it out of the water on that one. Uh, so there are other Beastie Boy songs I like better than Intergalactic, but that is the one that Kara did for karaoke. So that that was part of that snap, <laughs> snap judgment choice. So it looks like uh, Africa by Toto, clear winner on this uh, snap judgment. Yeah. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback on Man of Steel. If you'd like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And if you want to send us feedback, make sure you do all of that writing in, calling in uh, before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That helps us get everything prepared. Uh, You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify, where we also have a playlist that includes music featured on the show. And maybe we should put uh africa by toto i on think there. we should i think i think it, we should add that on i think that uh that's a that's a a, a new addition uh, to the spotify <laughs> playlist uh we're also listed at dc's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc fans and we are available on apple podcasts and stitcher radio so if you have some time we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you also like arrow the flash Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> iZombie, Black Lightning, Krypton, Titans, Batwoman, and classic DC TV shows. You can subscribe to DC TV Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. 
Morgan, I don't know if you've been listening to the Flash podcast lately. I am so behind in the Flash that I can honestly say I have not. Well, <laughs> let me just tell you what. They called us out on one of their episodes. Oh, no, they didn't. Saying <laughs> that they could do better DCTV plugs than us. I have a question for them. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have been the standard for a long time now. Do you know how many names I've had to say? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we need to kick it up a notch. I feel like we've been called out and we need to figure out a way to jazz this up and just turn it up to 11. I don't know if we need to add sound effects. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe uh, maybe we should have a jingle. I don't know. But we're, mm -hmm. now I feel like the pressure is on. We've got to kick it up a notch. Oh, yeah. Like, this This is a battle. <laughs> You're going to win. <laughs> we are like West Side Story, like sharks and jets, like just snapping at each other and dancing, <laughs> dancing at each other. We're going to we're going to jazz it up now. Oh, oh, watch. Just watch. <laughs> yeah. If anybody's going to be snapping, it's going to be us. <laughs> it's mostly what our podcast is known for. <laughs> so uh, we're going to. We're going to we're going to we're going to think on that. Uh, and also, if you are not aware, uh, you should be aware that uh, the DCTV podcast has a T public store. We have we sure do. We have <laughs> merchandise from all of your favorite DC TV shows. Um, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Titans, Krypton. What am I leaving out? I guess we could promote The Flash, uh, even though maybe you don't need that merch because the Flash podcast, a uh, bunch of jerks over there oh they're so fast over there oh whatever <laughs> <laughs> but we do have some awesome flash uh merchandise at the dctv podcast t public store you should check that out just uh being being silly but we're, we're not actually uh, upset with the flash podcast although we're coming for you flash podcast this is going to happen <laughs> uh but you can find a link to the t public store uh, at supergirlradio.com you just click on the button that says t public store at the top of the page it's pretty self-explanatory but if you have any questions let us know uh and for following me i'm taking a little bit of a break on twitter i'm not actually tweeting i'll be retweeting some things uh, mostly podcast related wise. So if you want to keep up with my podcast efforts there, uh, I'll be doing that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. And I'm a contributor to JLU Podcast, which you can find over jluniverse.podomatic.com. Uh, so if you want to hear my thoughts about the DC films, that's where you find me. You can find me on Twitter and uh, I guess Instagram also at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. Uh, I am also a co-host on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. I don't know if you know this, but Legends of Tomorrow is back. And you and we are back to podcasting about it. Um, we are just as prepared this year as we are last, <laughs> as we were last year, uh, which means that I got locked out of our email account several times. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We fixed it eventually. <laughs> it took a while. Um, so if you love Legends of Tomorrow, it's a crazy show. It's really funny. You should listen to the podcast. Listen, though, if you don't watch Legends of Tomorrow, 
all are welcome here, baby. Come on in, listen to the podcast anyway. Rebecca does. That's that's the big secret that nobody but me will tell you that you don't you don't have to watch this show. It is not mandatory to listen to the podcast. And actually, the podcast may uh, help you enjoy the show more. Uh, so you should definitely listen to the podcast, even if you don't watch the show, because I, I don't, but I definitely listen to the podcast. So I highly recommend it. Well, I think that is going to do it for this episode on Man of Steel. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we would like to congratulate Catco on their Pulitzer. <laughs> Good job. We never see you uh, publish anything or do any stories. None of the people there actually um, do any reporting or journalism. So it is even more impressive that they got that Pulitzer. Way to go, Catco. Catco.